Hi, everybody. It's Chris, and I'm asking you for a favor right now, and I don't do this often, and it will really help. I promise you that. In order to support our show, we need the help of advertisers. It's how the world works, and we've been so lucky. We've had some great ones over the years, and to keep finding great advertisers, we need to learn a little bit more about you. So please, go to podsurvey.com slash stories Take a quick anonymous survey. Helps us get to know you a little better. That way we can show advertisers just how great our listeners are. Plus, once you've completed the survey, you choose to enter for a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card. There's terms and conditions that apply to that. So again, that's podsurvey.com slash stories. P-O-D-S-U-R-V-E-Y dot com slash stories. Thank you for your help. Big news. There's a whole beautiful anonymous merch collection out there. And it's available at podswag.com slash beautiful. We got shirts. Got the Sorry Sally shirt. Sometimes people come up to me on the road wearing that Sorry Sally shirt. Always makes me happy. We got mugs, pins, posters, stickers. You name it. They got it. Oh, and coming soon. Guess what? I just signed a whole bunch of copies of my new book, Lose Well. I'm shipping them back to the store as we speak. There's going to be new signed copies of Lose Well up there as well. You can start shopping at podswag.com slash beautiful. That's podswag.com slash beautiful. Hello to everybody who hates bullies. Oh my God, I hate bullies and I hate the bully describing this call. Anyway, it's Beautiful Anonymous. One hour, one phone call. No names, no holds barred. I'd rather go one-on-one Hi everybody, Chris Gethard here. Welcome to another episode of Beautiful Anonymous. This is a show I feel real lucky to do. I was, think, I was thinking the other day, and I was like, man, my job description is shut up and listen to other people. That's a good job. I thank you guys for supporting this show and allowing me to have that job. I am very, very grateful for it. I don't take it for granted. I say that very genuinely. Thanks to everybody in the uh, Beautiful Anonymous Facebook community. The discussion of the King of Silver Linings episode from last week was really uh, was eye-opening to me. It was uh, a lot of people who said, oh, what a good old school, just someone chill, rolling with the punch. And then other people saying, it's not so easy to quit your job. It's not easy. And maybe the perspective there is uh, from someone who, who has a life where it is easy to quit a job. And I'm probably one of those uh, people who has some privileges as well. So it's a good reminder that this show is people telling their own perspectives and other people with different perspectives digesting that, reacting to it. I thank everybody in the Facebook group for the reactions. Don't forget, I'm going all over the Southeast, North Carolina, two cities, South Carolina, Huntsville, Alabama, Atlanta, Nashville. You can go on my website, chrisgeth.com, for all those tickets and uh, do check it out. It would be so nice to meet some of you guys out there on the road. This week's episode, I'm so excited to tell you about. So excited. One of the things I think I'm, I'm probably most proud of in life is that this show has turned into a place where people from all different life experiences, people from all different walks of life can come in and, and sort of get on record and, and let the world know what their life experience has been like. And I can tell you that all of us here involved with the show, uh, we love the, the randomness and the chaos of, of just letting the phone calls come in. We also have made a real effort to make sure let's just get as many people's life experiences represented as possible. And this is one that I haven't heard. This is one 
um, that I, I, I never expected to get a call on. Our caller today uh, is blind. Our caller doesn't utilize the same amount of senses that the majority of us do and tells us what his world is like, tells us some things that I found very heartbreaking, tells us some things that I found extremely inspiring. Uh, it went in a lot of different directions. The caller's funny and smart and engaging, and I felt like he and I also clicked to, I think it's a really good call. I'm proud of it, and I think you guys are going to enjoy it. Thank you for calling Beautiful Anonymous. A beeping noise will indicate when you are on the show with the host. Hello? How's it going? Pretty good. How are you doing? I'm pretty good. I didn't sleep great last night, but I'm doing okay. Yeah, sorry to hear that. It's all right. It's all I'm right. super excited to be talking to you, man, though. I've been listening to your show since the first episode. Oh, that's awesome. Thanks for checking it out. Yeah. How's your day been? My day has been good. I pretty much, uh, I woke up, took a shower, made myself a nice mug of tea, and then I wandered out into the cold so I could come here and talk to you. <laughs> nice. How about you? How's, nice. your, how's your day been? Uh, you know, pretty good. I got up, uh, ass crack at dawn with my wife. She goes to school today, but I'm staying home today, so, um... Hanging out. I'm actually having coffee, but I'll probably be having tea later. Oh, you double up. You do a coffee and a tea. I do so much tea. So you're walking. On, <laughs> they call that walking on the wild side. Yeah. <laughs> and you got coffee and tea in your life. You're really that's walking on the razor's edge. That's what they call that. Man, I've got I've got more drugs than you can count. <laughs> really? Okay, we're talking about a lot of caffeine in the coffee, slightly less caffeine in the tea. I think, right? Yeah. Tea has a little less caffeine, right? Yeah, I usually drink uh, actually decaf tea. It's usually for the aesthetic more than anything. Now, what if this entire hour was us talking about coffee and tea and not really even expressing many opinions on them? Just <laughs> quiet chit-chat about hot beverages. You know, I would not be surprised, and neither would my wife if she heard it. <laughs> wow. All right. Um. Man, I've got so much shit to talk about. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm, I like to listen to people's shit. Yeah, I noticed. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I guess I'll start by saying I'm a blind guy. Oh, so I'm wow. Probably the first blind guy on the show, and that was, you know, that was my great honor. <laughs> yeah, I believe that's, I believe that's true. Yeah, um... I'm a blind guy, and I'm 23 years old, and I'm going to college to become a software engineer. Wow. And, uh, okay, so first question, which I'm sure uh, it's not a surprising one. Were you, were you born blind? Did you go blind at some point in your life? I was actually born blind, but uh, I, I like to say that I'm legally blind, but... You know, I'm not completely blind as in I can see, um, you know, I can see light and I can see shapes around me and I can see some colors if they're bright enough. Mm -hmm. um, but I saw a little bit better when I was younger. I used to, you know, be able to make out things a little bit further away than I can now. So it's slowly deteriorated um, up until this point, but I've learned to live in the world as a blind person since I can remember. So I've learned to read Braille when I was four. 
um, learned to walk around with a cane pretty much same time. So yeah, I'm, I'm pretty used to being blind at this point. That's kind of the only reality I know. Yeah. This is a, uh, I gotta say perspective. I'm very, I feel very lucky to have on the show. Well, I'm, I'm very excited because, and I told my wife this too, it was like if I had heard a, an episode where the, another person had gotten before me, the first blind person on the Chris Gethard, you know, on Beautiful Anonymous, I would have been pretty pissed at myself. <laughs> really? I thought you were going to say, see, here's where I thought that was going to go. Uh, I, I thought you were going to say, if I had heard something like this when I was young, it would have, you know, somebody's first person perspective of being in a similar situation to the one I was born into, it would have been very helpful and would have been very grounding. And instead, no, you're expressing that you would have felt uh, petty jealousy to not get there first. <laughs> exactly. That is, uh, I mean, I'm probably, if I were young and I'd been listening to the show, I would have felt the way that you expressed, but I've mm -hmm. grown into um, a man with many uh, petty jealousies. <laughs> right. So you've been sitting around, we've been doing this show about, what, three years now? And you've been sitting around this whole time going, if some if somebody else gets to the blind thing first, <laughs> I'm gonna freak out. Exactly. I exactly. I was like, uh, <laughs> I heard the uh, episode with the deaf guy. I thought that was super cool, though. Yeah, I really you know. And I was that. That's probably the episode that kind of started to you know inspire me to want to call in because I'm not a very uh, social person i'm not you know i'm actually quite a loner and i don't talk very much so it's never been like something for me to really open up i, I don't do that very often and so i never really thought about it but when i heard the episode with the deaf guy i was like i learned so much that i didn't know and i was like that could you know that could be really helpful for i mean that actually the deaf population is a little bit bigger than the blind population there are less blind people overall in the world. So there's not a lot of, there's, there's not a lot of uh, information for the average person about blind people and how we live. Yeah. Yeah. Let me ask you, when you say that you're not very social and that you're a loner, is that something that you think is just in your personality? Uh, or do you think that is related to being blind? Um, I would have to say probably because of my disability at the root of it, because the way that you're raised affects the way that you act as an adult very heavily, as you know. So when you're born and your first memories are of kind of differences between you and others, and things are just kind of a little bit more difficult from the get-go, and then going through school, and I went to public school all my life, so... You know, I was never really around other blind kids, and uh, I was pretty ostracized most of my childhood and pretty isolated, so that definitely had something to do with it. I mean, if I, I come from a really social family. I come from a very loud family, so I do imagine that if I had not been blind, I would have probably been, it would have been easier for me to integrate myself to the world and to socialize and to mingle with people. But as it is, that was always really difficult for me. Right, right. 
Because I would imagine, especially as a kid, like you said, I've never thought of this, but when, you, when you're in a public school, I would imagine there must be so many situations where when you enter them, it's, it's almost being explained to the other kids how to react in a way that you enter a lot. I would imagine as a kid, you must feel like you're often entering a situation being viewed as an anomaly in a way that can't be yeah. the coolest for a kid. Yeah, definitely. I, from my earliest memories, I used to, uh, I used to say, I feel like I'm a, an animal in a zoo. Like, I feel like I'm some kind of exotic breed of tiger or something or some, some animal that's going extinct and people are looking and asking questions and there's like a pamphlet full of information that people, but they're very hesitant to interact with me, especially children. Like as I've gotten older and, and social skills have been enforced for everyone around me, you know, it's gotten a lot easier. Like, cause just in general, adults are just, they're just more polite, <laughs> but, but kids are, you know, they don't know what to do with that yet. And so most kids, um, their parents, if they do see a blind person or a disabled person, they just say, don't stare, don't look, um, you know, don't be rude. But that also creates kind of a, an atmosphere of uh, mystique around the person. Right, right. And isolation, I would imagine. For sure. It's always felt kind of like um, I'm on the other side of a one-way glass. Because yeah. I can't see you, and I can't see how you're reacting to me. I can only guess, but everybody else is looking in on me and making their own judgments about me. That's uh, it's that's the type of thing as someone who doesn't deal with it. That's the type of thing that I, I have to say. It's like you can logically assume how hard that must be, but even just hearing you explain it without all that much emotion, it's feels uh you can feel how brutal that is especially for a kid kids here's two things i remember about being a kid is one you never you do whatever you can to not be viewed as different and two things that seem different and especially things that we don't understand how or why they happen feel scary and to be react right. to be reacted to, to as different, and be, to be reacted to as a source of people going, wait, why does that happen? That's just good. like a, a kids. You must it, it must be. It sounds so hard to just sense that and feel that all the time. I'm really I'm really sorry that uh, that you had to deal with that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it was harder when I was younger. Obviously, I'm. Yeah. I went through a period. I think a lot of disabled people go through this. At least I know a lot of blind people go through this. Um, where, and it usually corresponds with, <clears throat> um, puberty when you're starting to develop, um, and you, these things like social, like being accepted into social groups and stuff become more important. And when I was in middle school, I just had this epiphany that was like, Oh, I am really different from other people and they don't necessarily accept that. And I had just a couple of years of just real pure rage and, mm -hmm. you know, not wanting, and I got bullied out of my first middle school. I actually switched middle school because it was too much. Like somebody, <laughs> I was talking 
to my mom about this last night because we were remembering this. And uh, now I laugh at it because it doesn't hit me as hard now. But back then, like I, a kid actually, I got off the bus and a kid grabbed my cane and it was a hollow cane, hollow rigid uh, cane. And it, he just snapped it in half against the tree. Come and, on, come on. Yeah. And I was, and I was in, you know, and this was, I was just starting the school day. I was in seventh grade and I had no way of getting around without it. <laughs> I, I mean, like my friend or my, I don't remember if it was my friend or my sister, somebody led me to the principal's office so that I could tell them that this happened. And, uh, they tried to identify who it was, but they never found out who it was. Cause of course, you know, I can't see them. So that's what, that's the, the shittiest part of all is that <laughs> they did this to me and I can't see them. So I, it was like, I put my foot down after that. I was like, no, I'm not coming back to this school. Um, you know, I'll go somewhere else where I can have a clean slate, but these kids don't like me. You know, they want to pick on me. Yeah. Yeah. So, but like I said, like, and like you said, that that's really hard as a kid, but now that I'm an adult and I'm looking at it from an adult's perspective, you know, it's, it's one of those things that, uh, it's a cliche, but what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Yeah. And that's completely true yeah. because I just don't react. You know, I, I'm, I don't react to things with a lot of emotion and hot headedness like I used to. I don't say, you know, I'm blind and my life sucks and everything sucks. And, you know, I wish I could die. And I had those, you know, obviously those times, but I've just gotten to a point now where it's a lot easier to see the value in my experiences and in my life. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, it's good to hear that you can grow and control those emotions. And can I ask how, wait, you said you're only 23. Yeah. Wow. I'm, I have to say I'm a little shocked. Um, just in the sense that I got the sense, I've always had the sense that maybe public schools are a little more on top of their shit than they were when I was in school. But the idea that someone would take your cane and smash it to bits and they would just go, Oh yeah, sorry. No, we don't know who it was. And not like, Someone had to have seen that. Like that that sounds like very eighties behavior to me. That sounds like I grew up eighties, yeah. early nineties. That sounds like very eighties, early nineties. Like, oh sorry. You just gotta go deal with it. That was with <laughs> my, my I, 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 I was filled with a ton of rage as a kid, because I tell you, I've talked about this publicly. My and my brother has talked about it publicly too. My brother got bullied pretty bad. And mm-hmm. they didn't nobody ever did anything about it in the eighties. They'd just be like, Yeah, sorry. Yeah. We don't know what happened. We'll try to figure it out. In the meantime, yeah. your kid's got to toughen up. It's like, no, he doesn't have to toughen up. And I was two and a half. I was three grades below my brother. I saw that. I was like, oh, I guess I'm just going to be filled with anger and violence because nobody's yeah. watching my back. And when, man, I'll tell you something. I'll tell you something. Here's one of the great lessons I've learned as I grow up, and it pisses me off to this day, is that when we are young, there are a lot of adults in our lives and we assume that they're protecting us. And then you get mm-hmm. older and you realize they're not. And is there anything that's going to make a seventh grade kid get more pissed off than realizing, oh, you don't have my back. I'm on my own. Mm-hmm. What, what yeah. is going to piss off a kid more than to realize 
No, you just you just want to you just want to get your you want you just want to get your day over with and go home and watch Netflix just like every other it's like every other schmo. You're not really looking out for me. Mm-hmm. I get yeah. it. I mean, I yeah, I totally feel that. That that's uh, pretty much how I felt at that point because I know that it's really blurry now, but I know that my whoever was with me, I think it was my sister and some other kids were trying to uh, describe the person. And I was just sitting in the principal's office and they're like, Oh, well, well, I guess you can go home today. And then I never came back until, you know, they wanted to have this big meeting to try to get me to go back. And it's ironic because the principal actually said, you know, to an effect, she said, toughen up. Like she said, you know, thicken your skin Whatever no. that that kind of shit started happening. Like she started no, saying no, that no. after after I started explaining it, and when I was in that meeting, I just you know I was crying, but it was like rage tears, and I went, "I'm not going back. I'm sorry. I'm not doing it. Don't make yeah. me do it because I'm not doing it." And I was crying like tears just streaming down my face. And at that point, they gave up. And they're like, "Okay, well, you know, we'll send your work." because it was like April. So it was almost the end of the school year. We'll just send your homework home with you and you can just stay home oh, and switch schools from that point. Because, and even my mom was like, yeah, that's bullshit. That's, that's fucking bullshit. Yeah. That's got me steamed thinking about it now. And it was many years ago for you. Ooh, that gets me. It's like, Oh, first of all, <laughs> Oh, I got to toughen up. How about this? I've, I've, I've spent my whole life toughening up. My life's been pretty tough compared to the other people around. I know how to toughen up. How about this? Instead of telling me to toughen up and then send me home when I'm emotional, here's what I would do. Here's what I would think. If you're a school administrator, if you're a principal and a kid who has a disability, a kid who's blind, has his cane taken and destroyed, how about this? Literally, one by one, bring in every kid in that school and no one goes home until someone admits to what happened or someone says, I saw what happened. How about that? How about you start dragging literally every person in there because that's the height of cruelty and it should be... It should be immediately made clear that that will be snuffed out of this experience. No, I agree. It's it's difficult to think about it now because it's like how how are those kids being raised? Like Mm -hmm. what values are being instilled in them? And and this was a school that was pretty rough. You know, it was in what you would call uh, colloquially a a ghetto area. Mm -hmm. It's like that's where I grew up. Like. You know, I didn't, um, until I moved in with my dad when, cause my, actually my biological father and my mom were not together for like the first part of my life. They didn't, they got back together, um, when I was like 12. Oh, wow. So that's when I moved in with him and he was a little bit more upper class. And, you know, we, we moved to very, uh, I wouldn't say wealthy, but much, much more well off area. And I had a, you know, a much better experience at, at those schools. I just did because, yeah. and you know, that's, that gets into a really big uh, conversation about the public education system and all that stuff. But yeah, I mean, you know, it just makes me sad. Now we're pointing out all, all the, uh, you know, the, the classism of America that lives under the surface where the kids who need the most stable school are at the ones that have the least funding and, I would. You'd have to think that whoever would take your cane and break it is probably someone who comes from a broken home in their own right and has all these rage issues. And it's on some level clearly right. a cry for help. Looking back on it, but guess what? When you're in seventh grade, 
None of that bullshit matters. Go find who did it and suspend them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I agree. And now I'm like, you know, and when I was talking to my mom about it, I was like, man, I just, no wonder I was kind of a, like, I, I don't want to say a shitty kid. I was going to say a shitty kid, but, you know, I, no wonder I was like a, a handful. I was, I was kind of a renegade because I just felt like, like you said, and I've never put it that way before, but like you said, it was like the adults don't, aren't really paying attention. They're not really looking out for me. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I can do whatever the fuck I want. And literally that's how I lived my life since I was as young as I can remember. That's just how I lived my life. And it was probably in large part due because I was growing up in a little bit of a poorer household and my parents were working all the time. And we lived in a really bad part of town and I got bullied a lot and all of that stuff kind of culminates to make a type of person, yeah. you know? And then that brings us all the way back to why am I isolated now? Well, right. it's, you know, it makes sense. It's kind of it's just the way that the atmosphere I was raised in and the uh, ideas I was raised with, like, Oh, I got to take care of myself and I'm blind. So I got to really be crafty about how I'm going to do this. And, that was, uh, that was just part of the struggle. You know what? I'm going to go ahead and pause right there. Because anytime, anytime bullying gets brought up in my life, I get a little worked up, so I need to just like take a deep breath. And if we're going to take a deep breath anyway, might as well go ahead and say, it's time for the ads, right? We got advertisers that bring the show to you. I'm really appreciative of them. Use the promo codes if you're interested. It helps the show when you do. We'll be right back after this. We all need somebody to talk to, a person who can support us through rough patches and the ups and downs of life. Talkspace is therapy for how we live today. Mobile, affordable, and available when you need it. Simply provide your preferences for therapy and Talkspace will match with one of the 3,000 plus therapists the very same day. Send your therapist unlimited text, audio, picture, or video messages from anywhere at any time and you'll hear back daily. Five days per week, you'll never have to wait a week to share what's on your mind. All you need is a computer with an internet connection or the Talkspace mobile app. So join more than one million who feel happier with Talkspace. I think everybody out there knows that I am a very big fan of therapy. It has helped my life, changed my life, saved my life. Many people have reached out to me and said that uh, some of the work I've done publicly that acknowledges that has helped them find therapy. And I am all for any company that makes therapy accessible, that offers new ways to do it, that helps destigmatize it. I think it's a, a very cool thing. Talkspace has more than 3,000 licensed therapists who are experienced in addressing the challenges we all face. To match with your perfect therapist for a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, go to Talkspace.com. Make sure to use the code BEAUTIFUL to get $45 off your first month and show your support for this show. That's beautiful at Talkspace.com. Hiring is challenging, but there's one place you can go where hiring simple and fast and smart. A place where growing businesses connect to qualified candidates. That place is ZipRecruiter.com slash beautiful. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards. They don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply to your job. As applications come in, 
ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ziprecruiter.com slash beautiful. That's Z-I-P-R-E-C-R-U-I-T-E-R dot com slash beautiful. ZipRecruiter.com slash beautiful. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Thanks so much to all our advertisers. Now let's get back to the phone call. Oh, I got to take care of myself and I'm blind. So I got to really be crafty about how I'm going to do this. And that was, uh, that was just part of the struggle. Yeah. Yeah, I would imagine. I would imagine. It sounds like you were in a school environment that would have caused a lot of stress on your system and a lot of anger issues if you didn't have a, a setback most people aren't dealing with, let alone the fact that in an environment, especially a tense school environment, people immediately go, well, who's got, who can't fight back and puts a target on you? That sucks. I'm sorry I had to deal with that. Now, I got I got some other questions. I want to jump around a bit and just ask you a few questions I've been thinking. Is that okay? Sure, sure. One, do you know what caused your blindness? Yeah, so I've got a, uh, well, yeah, no, because I'm, I'm a little bit wonky, I guess. But uh, my last checkup says that I have RP, which is, stands for retinitis pigmentosa, and it's... Uh, a disease where it's a disease of the retina, obviously, where um, your, you know, your vision kind of goes out from the peripherals and kind of eats up as it deteriorates. It eats up the vision toward the center, and until you're blind. So now I say that I'm weird though because I also have a congenital condition. Um, they say that it looks like I have a congenital condition called Lieber's, which is a whole different condition. And my macula is extremely deteriorated. So my, my RP is not progressing the way that it normally does. And obviously I'm not a doctor, so I could be getting some of this wrong, but my vision is basically, it's a disease of the retina and the retina is something that cannot be replaced. Um, they don't do retina transplants because as soon as the retina leaves the uh, the blood supply, it dies. So oh, wow. there's no, you know, there's there's no uh, cure for it. Basically, it's just a progressive deteriorating eye disease that they're still researching quite a bit. Wow. Okay. Okay. Now, another question, if I may. Yeah. You mentioned your wife. Uh, you said she's at school right now. I think a question that might be on a lot of listeners' minds, is she blind as well? No. No, she decided. Um, she is the best thing that has ever happened to me in my entire life. She's my best friend in the world. She's She's been everything for me since we moved out together when we were both 18. And we've been together ever since we got married when we were 20. And everybody said, wow, that's young. And I was like, yeah, it's really young. I didn't expect to marry when I was 20. And you know what? I don't regret it ever. Like, I just, 
Oh, I could talk all day about my wife, honestly. But no, she's not blind. <laughs> that's so cool. Now, got married at 20. That, that's young. That's young by the modern standard in this country. Yeah. So I'm, yeah. I'm going to put something out here. And again, this is one of those episodes where I will say, I am aware that I'll probably say some insensitive things. And I'm sorry about it. And there's going to be times, I'm sure, where you correct me. And I appreciate that. There's going to be times where I think you probably, ah, you got no ill intentions. And people on the internet will correct me. I, I'm just going to say, anything I say that I put my foot in my mouth, let me know. Apologize ahead of time. Here's the thing, though. Yeah. When, when you meet someone when you're 18 and you get married when you're 20, that is young in the modern. I mean, that's, you're not even out of college yet. Most people aren't getting married until at least after college. You guys did. Now, in a relationship like that, there's a phrase in culture that a lot of people would say to justify that, which is, well, I just knew it was love at first sight. And I say that not to be insensitive, but to say, sounds like this happened pretty quickly. You were head over heels for her. You knew you wanted to marry her. So I'm very fascinated to ask. Many people, the first thing that attracts them to someone is the visual. What are the things that are... you you? You, you don't have, you don't have that option. Love at first sight. So, what is the love at first blank? What made you fall for her so hard? Yeah, that's a really good question because you're right. That if you're blind, obviously you're not really uh, superficial regarding looks. Some blind people could be superficial in other ways. Like I've heard of blind people who won't date people that have a certain sound to their voice, you know, but, mm -hmm. and there is such a thing of, as an attractive voice. I actually think my wife has a very attractive voice and I've always thought that, but we actually met online. We met, uh, on a dating website. She was originally attracted to my dating profile because now I had like two pictures on it that were kind of old and grainy because my sister took two pictures of me. And I was like, fuck it. That's it. <laughs> I don't care. And so I didn't get a lot of messages. And I just kind of gave up on it after a while. But she was really attracted to the text part of my profile. Where I was wow. describing myself. Wow. Yeah, so she, she said I was funny. She said I was articulate and obviously cared because I put a lot of detail into it. I obviously put a lot of effort into it. So she sent me the first message it started with, I shit you not. I literally screamed when I read your profile. Wow. And when I saw that, and I saw it by chance, because I gave up on the damn website. I was like, I don't care. I'm not getting anything, and nobody wants to actually have a meaningful conversation. So I'm done. But I happened to see that email where somebody sent me a message. I was like, all right, fuck it. And uh, I read it. And I responded and I looked at her profile and I said, she's basically perfect. I don't know. Like she's, she's like, I read all of her stats. Perfect. I read her text. I was like, hilarious, you know, obviously has shit to say. And we just had these long conversations Amazing. with messages that we were just composing for two hours at a time. Both of us. And I have I have to ask what dating site this was. I have to ask. <laughs> it was OkCupid. Okay, wow. What a rousing endorsement 
for OKCupid. <laughs> you had just about given <laughs> Actually, up. Actually, yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. We got to get them as sponsors on this episode. Let's see if we pull it up. That is an amazing story. Now, okay, okay, couple basic questions about this because this is a beautiful love story. It's a beautiful love story. First question. I have two logistical questions. First question. In your profile, do you make it clear that you are blind? Yeah. You do. I said it. um, She argues I did not, but I guarantee (laughs) you that I did. (laughs) I, I remember very clearly saying... You know, I don't care if people don't know that I'm blind up up front, then uh, I'm going to have to tell them later. And then I just rather weed out the people who are not interested now. So I remember that very clearly that I did. But she's also told me um, that it became clear to her pretty quickly that I was blind because in our messages, at least. So because I said it over and over again. So she said, I just didn't think about it. She's like, I was like, oh. That's uh, that's something about him. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. It was just like not a thing. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, she's cool. Now, another logistical question. Another logistical question. Um, my guess, and pardon my ignorance, is is there some sort of like text to voice converter that you work with when you're on a computer? Yeah. So yeah. All- so I have a. Uh, screen reading software. That's what it's called. So it's, uh, it helps me um, manipulate the computer using the arrow keys mm-hmm. pretty much entirely. So I use uh, key commands and the arrow keys and stuff, and it reads everything on the screen as I need it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And can I ask, and I don't mean to laugh, but there's something adorable going in my mind. Has technology advanced to the point with the voices? That, like, is it an Alexa-type voice, or is it like your old-school, more robotic-sounding voice? <laughs> I actually... It's funny because there are options mm-hmm. for really high-quality voices. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, <laughs> I still use the... I actually chose, deliberately chose, to download an extension to my screen reader... That would allow me to use the old school, like, you know, it's kind of, I think it's the voice that Stephen Hawking's machine used, actually. <laughs> Come on, you did that on purpose? I did, yeah, I like that, because that's the, that's the screen reader I grew up with. That's the old school shit. Yeah. I, it made me feel at home. <laughs> right, right, right. So there's a comfort level of familiarity. So, we, and uh, I hope this is an incentive, but I got to do it. So you're getting these romantic messages, and you're like, you're developing this crush on this person. Like you said, pouring hours of time into reading these long messages from her. And if I may, so the messages are coming through like, I screamed when I read your profile. I was blown away by your wish. I can't believe I met someone willing to put so much effort, thought, and care into an OkCupid profile. I've honestly never been so blown away by the dedication. So you're getting all these like, that really is what happened. Yes, you're doing a perfect imitation. <laughs> and you're developing this crush. You're you're experiencing these messages, consuming these messages. You're like, man, I think I think I got a thing for this girl. And then the girl and yeah. and then as it's going along, it's like I would imagine the messages start to get a little more like detail, a little more personal, right? And it starts to be like, I have to say I did not expect much from OKCupid, but I really feel like we are building a bomb that I never could have anticipated. We need to meet yes. in person. <laughs> And you're sitting there and you're like, all right, all right, all right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's weird to think about, but 
the words just kind of go into my brain and it's like I don't yes, hear the voice yes, after a while. Of course, of it course. It really is a lot like reading. Of course. And it's it's easy. It's easy. It's an easy joke for me to make. And thank you for having a sense of humor about it because at the end no, of the day... It's hysterical, man. Well, and, and at the end of the day, I want to be clear. I want to be very clear because I'm a big empathetic softie myself. We can laugh all we want. It's also super romantic and uh, I think it's so cool. All the jokes aside, it's like, what a cool thing. What a cool thing. Like you yeah. said, that's the world you're familiar with. That's like reading to you. And you yeah. didn't blink twice. Okay, so then you decide to meet in person. Yeah. Um, it was, let's see. Our first date was May 27th of 2014. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that was maybe three weeks after we met online. So I just graduated high school. And wow. She had, she actually just graduated uh, high school as well, but she actually went through a program through a college. So it was technically graduating with college credits, mm-hmm. but she graduated same time. And we went out to, uh, let's see. Yeah. Okay. So she was working in the mountains at this point. She went up to the mountains and was working at, she was living in a like fifth wheel you know, they, that they provided for her at the workplace. And she was just basically working at this little family run store up there at count campground. And, uh, she came down two hours. I think she drove to my house and we, I walked her over to a coffee shop a couple blocks from my house. We got some coffee. We sat down and just talked for hours and, uh, I walked her back home. And then we spent, she met my parents like then. So she met my parents on the first date and just spent the rest of the day just kind of chilling out, like just talking and absorbing each other's company. It's weird because ever since the first day that we were together in person, it was like we didn't want to be out of each other's presence. And that has never stopped. Like for some people, it's like the flame dies or whatever. That just hasn't happened. You know, that's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. So you you had already developed this immense respect and this open, honest feeling towards each other through the messages you'd been sharing, and then when you met in person, that just clicked right into place and proved to be true. Yep, it was just pretty much seamless. Were there thing Were there things about her in person that you remember from that first, second meeting, whatever? that you were like, oh man, this is even better than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, I I hadn't heard her voice at that point. Oh, wow. Um, she, again, she was living up in the mountains. She didn't have like any cell service whatsoever. So mm-hmm. we literally just uh, used iMessage and just uh, text. And so when I heard her voice, it was genuinely the same kind of thing as, I imagine a sighted person looking at a really attractive person and saying, oh, I like you. I like how that looks. That's kind of how it was. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. And I got to yeah. say, what a, what a beautiful story, too, in the sense that you've already made it clear. You grew up someone who your guard had to be up. You had to, you had to have some self-protective instincts. It sounds like you took a big... Yeah. You took a big chance on this one. You had, you had an instinct and you followed it, but that's... Based on everything you've told me about who you were and who you still kind of are, you're not someone who takes a big chance on opening up 
like that too often. No, not not really. I have never actually thought about it like that. Actually, it's it's interesting because it's true. I mean, it's even true today. I don't get close to a lot of people. I don't have a lot of friends. Um, my family and I are most of my family and I are estranged for uh, reasons we can get into. That's some that's some drama, but. Well, um, I'll write it down. We'll write it down. I'll I'll bring that back up later. <laughs> Trust me on that. Yeah, uh, I know how to do my yeah, job. Yeah, uh, that's an interesting one. But you know, yeah, that's that's interesting, man. Because it's true. Something about her and the way she talked to me—it was just like, oh, she's treating me like a person, and that's just not that common, you know. And it—I it, don't mean to say that to be like, oh you know, woe is me, people don't think I'm a person. Because I don't think that that's actually the case. I just think that a lot of people are more careful when they're mm-hmm. interacting with me, mm-hmm. especially in person. But like, you know, there's just they just don't know really how to go about it. They don't want to offend me, but, you know, they're afraid that I'm going to, you know, hurt myself. And, and there's just a lot of stuff that goes into it. So she just didn't do that. From day one, she just talk to me like she was just interested in in me and she's asking me questions about me and you know she was saying things like wow i when i got your message i i couldn't even stand it i had to like just throw myself on the bed and just scream into a pillow because i was so excited can we all just pause and recognize who doesn't love a good goddamn love story i know i do Hey, you know what? I stopped anyway to call that out. So I think what we got to do in this uh, momentum broken moment is ads. We got advertisers. Check them out. Use the promo codes. Helps the show. Be right back and we will finish off this phone call strong. Are you looking for a self-help podcast that might change your life for the better? Or the very least make you laugh? Well, maybe it's time to start listening to Dexter Guff is Smarter Than You a satirical podcast about an underqualified, overconfident lifestyle entrepreneur played by comedian Peter Oldring. Trust me when I say this podcast is hilarious, so is the character. The show makes fun of all the thought leader, life hacker, productivity optimizer ideas that surround our digital lives and clog our social media feeds. Finally, there's a show that's making fun of all that stuff. Dexter Guff is smarter than you, features Real interviews with successful people like celebrities, cultural visionaries, and business moguls. It's a one-stop shop for all the life strategies to help you crush it. This weekly podcast is a must-listen if yourself is looking for help and a whole lot of laughs. Dexter Guff is smarter than you. It's available wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again to all our advertisers. Let's get back to the phone call. I couldn't even stand it. I had to like just throw myself on the bed and just scream into a pillow because I was so excited. And I was like, nobody's ever reacted to me like that. That's just, you know, they always have some reservation about it. And it just really opened me up. I think it, she had just the right, you know, the right traits and the right words to really just unlock my, my safety latch. Yeah, that's cool. Now I'm going to ask one that might be, it might be tough. I don't know. Might not be. And I feel like we're clicking pretty hard, you and I, so I'll just ask it. Now we had mentioned that for a lot of people, 
visuals play into attraction a lot. You've expl- mm-hmm. you've explained the things you were attracted to. Is is she is she someone who cares about that side of things? And if so, I'm wondering how would I phrase this? Like, do you have an experience in the early days with her as things become romantic? where she's expressing to you what she's attracted about visually in your case, if that makes sense. Yeah, she still does. Um, every day she tells me that I'm the most handsome man she's ever seen. And I believe her because she just, she says over and over again, like, I, she's like, I think about the possibility of dating someone else and everyone I can think of just they lack something that you have and whether it's personality or whether it looks because she is very physically attracted to me um yeah she just says like I'm her exact type and because I you know she she for example she likes men with dark hair and dark eyes so that's a really general kind of you know, oh yeah, I, I find myself attracted to men with dark hair and dark eyes, and I have dark hair and dark eyes. So that's one of the things that, you know, it just it's it clicks. But then there are other things that she says she didn't even know she wanted. Like I'm extremely short, <laughs> and that's not usually something that women are attracted to in men. <laughs> so, but she's like, I love it. I just I didn't even know. But now that I'm with you, I actually just really like short men. You know. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you something. When you said she tells you every day that you're the most handsome man she's ever seen, and then you said, and I believe it, I got choked up. Because that sounds like real, that sounds like real love. I got choked up. Yeah. You know what? I I actually read your book uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, Lose Well. Oh, And I read, yeah, I loved it. It was great. Um, But I read about you know, you mentioned your wife and and how she uh, she really doesn't take well to people, quote unquote, messing with you. She actually dreams about uh, you know hurting people who want to hurt you, that kind of thing. And yes. that really reminded me of my wife. <laughs> That's the kind of stuff she does. <laughs> she has. I mentioned in the book, and I, I feel bad that it relates to eyes, because. But I'm, you know what? Like you said, I'm not gonna be fucking awkward. I'll just tell the story. Like I'm not gonna dance around. Yeah, shit. no, you're good. Like you, you can, you know, from the book, she said two different dreams where uh, someone has been mean to me, and she has attacked their eyes once with a fork, once with her thumbs. Because in the in the <laughs> yeah. second dream, she looked around to find the fork that she had previously used. And I uh, couldn't yeah. find it. She just went with thumbs. <laughs> and that's, oh my. It's great. Oh my God, I've never been more in love. It's awesome. Now. That's great. Okay, I've been taking notes. Next question. Seems like software engineer is one of the hardest jobs you could pick. <laughs> You'd think, right? Right. Um, well, now this is a, a little bit of a story. It's kind of cool because I think it's, you know, it's something where, okay, so when I grew up, I was an artsy kid. Um, I wrote, like, I, I wrote fiction, and I was the best writer in my class. And I also played the violin, and I played it very well. So 
uh, I was a very artsy kid. I never had anything to do with sports. I was terrified of math. I was terrified of science. Um, and especially for a blind kid, because you can imagine that like math can get difficult. You have to write it, or at least I did at the time, had to type it all out in Braille on a big old clunky Braille writing machine. And I had to read it in Braille, which meant that all of my books were super, super big. They were like multiple volumes of just big Braille um, that I had to haul around. So math and science just sucked. Uh, whereas I started on the computer really young as, uh, in sixth grade and I could just write using the computer and that was very easy. Mm-hmm. Like I just used Microsoft Word and it was all very, very easy for me with, you know, the screen reading software. Um, so I was just, that was my thing. And when I got out of high school, I went into college for an English degree. I didn't know what I was going to do with it, but I said, I like to write and I like to read. So we'll figure it out. And then I switched to a psychology degree because I said, Oh, I like, I like psychoanalyzing people. So, and I like, you know, kind of the logic of psychology. Then I switched to a political science degree, which was my, one of my great loves to this day is politics. Um, and I didn't know what I was going to do with that either, but I said, I just like politics. So I'm going to take a couple of classes and argue with people. And then I quit school because I was like, I don't know what I'm getting into debt for. <laughs> and I don't know what I'm going to do. I was just fucking around one day, like trying to build a blog for myself. Cause I was like, I need to get my writing out there if I want to be a writer by trade. And I was thinking I was going to be a political writer. Um, so I was getting on WordPress and just, it's, it's not inaccessible. It's not like it's, uh, really hard to use, but it is a little bit difficult to use with my screen reading software. So I was just going along and I was like, Hey, maybe I should build a blog, like build a site for myself because then I can make it as accessible as I want. Then it would work with my screen reading software perfectly. So I went in and I just started learning HTML and building little uh, prototypes for my blog. As I was doing that, I was like, this is more fun than writing. This is, it clicked in me. I was like, wait, this is a career actually. It's actually a pretty good career. Maybe I can do this. And I switched to a complete techie, a complete geek who's, you know, I started taking math classes and I started taking computer science classes. And it's really not, it's kind of the perfect job for a blind person. And I'll tell you why, because technology and my computers, the internet that has connected so many people and it's opened opportunities for so many people around the world. Like it's, it's gotten to the point where like people in, you know, poorer countries can actually take, online courses and stuff like that and learn things and get themselves out of their situation and and do things with their lives. And it's the same thing with blind people because once screen reading technology became available, then we started developing our own stuff, writing our own code that would work with a screen reader and that kind of stuff. It just keeps going. Like right now I'd say the state of the web and the state of software is good 
but it could use a lot of improvement, which is what I want to do in my career. But more code needs to be written with disabled people in mind. And that is something that blind people are distinctly good at. They're, they're, that's, that's a job that a blind person can easily do. It's just like typing on a word processor, you know, typing a story. It's just, it's logic-based and it's more math-based. Mm-hmm. So it's actually quite a great career for a blind person. That's- and I didn't know this because I told myself all those years that I'm just bad at math that I'm, I'm, I'm shitty at math. I'm not a math person. And that's something that a lot of people tell themselves. And now that I'm doing it and my computer science degree requires a math minor. So I have to take a lot of math and it's not my favorite thing in the world, but I'm pretty good at it. And I just realized like you're only not a math person if you never do math. And it's not a thing where I want to say like everybody must do math or everybody must get into tech, but this story that this, this moral of the story that I've learned is that if you want to do something, then try to do it and do the research. See if you can do it because you might be able to do it and you might love it. I like, I could not imagine myself getting into tech 10 years. Hell no. But you also sound like some, I mean, between it's like as a kid, it's like, Oh, right. I'm going to become the best writer, even though I'm the person who can't right. read in a traditional manner. Oh, right. sheet music, uh, not my thing, but I'm going to become the best violin player in this class. It sounds like you are someone who's also like, nah, if there's a thing that you would assume I can't do, I'm going to go, I'm going to do it. That's cool. It's also, yeah. it's funny too, because right after I asked the question, I realized too, I'm a, there's a story. I wonder if you know about this. I'm really, really obsessed, and I have been for years. There was sort of before the internet, the forerunners to computer hackers was this group of people known as the phone freaks. Back when the mm-hmm. phone system yeah. was analog, there were a lot of people who realized that they could figure out sort of like codes and tones. If you whistled certain tones into the old phone system, you could kind of be, the phone system would think that you were an operator, an engineer, and you could then manipulate it. And it's it's really trippy stuff. So worth reading about it. And a lot of the people who built the whole system of what eventually became computer hacking and computer hacking became engineering were notoriously a group of blind teenagers because the phone was an audio medium and there was no no impediment to not being sighted, and they became obsessed with it and kind of helped build the whole infrastructure of how people think of computer programming. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really cool story. And it's, you know, it's very similar now because computers are kind of the same now except better, like better than phones, obviously. But, mm-hmm. you, you know, if you can make a computer read the screen to you, then you are automatically not at a disadvantage. You're with everybody else. It's only when the software in question doesn't work with your screen reader that you're at a disadvantage. Right. So it's one of those things where it's the same kind of kind of deal where a bunch of blind people and there are a lot of blind programmers, surprisingly. These bunch of blind people are slowly making this a tool that we can be on equal playing field because because we can't read print. Right. So well, that's what that's I was never thinking. Never going to be something that we can compete in. 
the stereotype of software engineering is somebody like staying up all night just pouring over screens and screens full of code looking for that one little digit that's off or that thing that's been punched in incorrectly. But I would imagine listening to that probably opens up a whole avenue of of experiencing it and looking for the ways to solve problems that the people sitting there and reading it aren't developing the muscles in that way either. So it's kind of one or the other. And it's interesting because this is, this is going to be a little bit trippy, but I'm actually, I consider myself a visual learner in my (laughs) own way. Of course (laughs) you do. (laughs) Of course you do. Yeah. And I'll explain this. This is counterintuitive, but when I'm coding and I'm writing a program and I'm actually very much mapping it in my mind and I'm seeing it in my mind as, uh, so this structure's here, and then this structure's within this structure, and then these are the variables over here, and this is what this is, and this is what this And it has to look um, aesthetic. Like, I make my code look clean. It has a lot of blank space, like blank lines, so that it's very visually obvious where one section ends and where one section begins. I put, like, lines of asterisks to make it very clear, and I put very big comments. So I'm writing this code for a cited programmer because most of them are going to be cited. And I'm looking at these structures that way. So I'm picturing them in my mind. I'm mapping them out in my mind. And that's how I do math too. I picture the numbers and I picture, you know, and they're all in, they're all color coded in my mind. Everything's color coded, everything, you know, it's, it's very, it's a very visual experience on my part. If you opened up my brain, you'd probably have a lot of activity going on in the visual cortex. Wow. So you would have just been one of the phone freaks if you were born in the 70s. That you, you, that's guaranteed. Guaranteed yeah. you would have been one of these people that's like, no. So the thing is I can visualize the entire worldwide global phone system in my head and therefore I have all these advantages. <laughs> okay, I want to ask you another question. This is a weird, simple question, but it's been on my mind because sure. I'm a big nerd. Everybody who listens to this show knows that. So when I was a kid, saw a lot of bullying. I sit there, I'm looking at Spider-Man comics. I'm going, Peter Parker gets bullied worse than anybody I know and he's Spider-Man. I'm a kid who feels like a little bit of an outcast. And then I look at the X-Men. I'm like, these kids were all born different. Wolverine just needs to get his anger under control and directed towards good. That's me. I'm the angry kid. Nightcrawler's blue and everybody's like, but he doesn't want to like dress up in a disguise. He wants to embrace what's weird about him. I feel weird. So I think you might see where I'm going with this. Because I would have to imagine to someone who grew up in your exact situation, Daredevil, inspiring cool thing or the most annoying thing in the world that makes people ask if you have superpowers and can hear better than other people? <laughs> True or false? Oh. That happens. <laughs> that does happen. And it actually just happened like last semester on my campus. Um, but <laughs> my answer is kind of disappointing because, and this is what I said to the person who asked me, <laughs> I've never watched it <laughs> and I've never seen it. I mean, never, I don't even know really what it is. Is it a comic book or is it just a movie? Started, I don't know. It started as a comic book that was okay. Stanley RIP back in the early Marvel days was one. And he's a character who was uh, sighted and then he was blinded in an, in an accident that involved some radioactive goo. And then he found out that the uh, combination of his blindness and the powers this goo gave him 
sort of amplified all his other senses to a degree that he could like use like um I forget what they call it when bats can like bounce sounds off of things and then sort of build visuals. Echolocation. Echo, he could use echolocation and his sense yeah. of touch was so strong that he could um, do like martial arts and acrobatics. And then Frank Miller took over that title in the, I believe in the early 80s and p- wrote a whole bunch of it that's like unquestionably some of the best comic book writing of all time. Now it's a Netflix series and mm. uh, I would have to imagine it might get pretty irritating for people to bring that up to the blind, <laughs> the blind community. Yeah. I, yeah. And, and then like, honestly, people have been asking variations of that question to me for all my life. So <laughs> it was only, <laughs> it was only recently and like in second grade that I had daredevil specifically, but everybody kind of, <laughs> or not everybody, but a lot of people, maybe 70% of people ask me, so like, do you hear super good? And like, you know, is your hearing just like 10 times better? And it's not a stupid question necessarily. It's just, um, I'll just go ahead and answer it because a lot of people have that question. And it's, first of all, I don't know about all blind people, but for me, it makes sense because I'm paying more attention to my ears. So after a while of doing that all your life, your ears are just more sensitive. Like mm-hmm. they just pick up things and, and, make meaning of them a yes. lot more quickly and easily, like easily and, and effectively. I use my eyes or I use my ears the way people use their eyes. Right. I You're, walk around and I like locate things with my ears. You, you are more in t- tune with what your ears are telling you and uh, able to utilize the information they give you at a higher level than, than I do. Yeah. Like more or less. Yeah, it's actually it's funny because I was thinking about this the other day, but to me, Braille is natural. To me, picturing letters and numbers in Braille is natural. And doing it in print is counterintuitive to me. It seems weird that you guys can understand. <laughs> yeah, <stuff. laughs> I love that. You guys. There's like a different perspective there. Yeah. Now, okay, follow-up question about my nerdy comic book thing. Have you avoided Daredevil specifically because it's something that people have brought up so many times? You're like, I don't even <laughs> want to deal with whatever this bullshit is. Is it that type of thing? Or is it just... No, not, not because it's Daredevil. It's just that I don't like that genre. That's fair. I, I don't... Yeah, I just don't like... I've never read comic books, and I've yeah. never watched superhero movies and stuff like that. I get it. Now, look, we have 30 seconds left. I got to thank you. This has been hands down one of my favorite calls in the history of the show. And I could, I could talk to you for two more hours. So many questions that you mentioned your family. We didn't get to that. I've wanted to ask you if there's like a strong community among, among blind people, but. There's not really, but. Um, <laughs> got the nice quick answer on that one. I, I really appreciate it, man. I love your show. Thanks for doing what you do. It's, awesome and glad I got to be a part of it. Yeah, so lucky to have you and uh, you really blew my mind, made me think about a lot of things in different ways and I thank you for it and apologize. I apologize for all the times I invariably put my foot in my mouth and said something I shouldn't have that you were just... <laughs> I don't think you did, man. Maybe. I don't think you did. I, you didn't offend me. At the very least, you were kind and we are both in the spirit of let's communicate and figure each other out. And anything that yeah. anything that you were uh, 
happy to take a breath and let pass. I'm sure the internet will not. So I uh, I look forward to it. I look forward to it. But you're the yeah, best. What a cool call. What a cool right. call. Thank you so much. Yeah, well, I'll talk to you later, man. Caller, thanks again. Like I said, I could have talked to you for another, definitely another hour or two. So much to hear. And I, uh, I wish I rambled less so we could have gotten to more of it. But I'm a rambly guy. What can I say? Thank you for calling. Thank you, Jared O'Connell and Harry Nelson in the booth. Thank you to Justin Linville for helping out with my entire life. Thank you, Shell Shag, for the music. You're the best. Hey, I've got road dates coming out. I'm going to be all over this country. Go to chrisgeth.com, find out where I am, how you can buy tickets. If you like Beautiful Anonymous, you go to Apple Podcasts, rate, review, subscribe. It really helps when you do. Thanks so much. We'll see you next time. Next time on Beautiful Anonymous, when you're involved in a tragedy, how do you move on? It was one of those days where you kind of just get home and you're just wondering, how am I still here? Um, A guy hit me going 90 miles an hour on a two-lane road. from behind on his motorcycle and uh, did not make it where I did. That's next time on Beautiful Enough.